Welcome to Being the Dot. I'm your host, Dr. Stacy. Each week, I invite a guest to discuss their lives as a Black person thriving in a white space. Today's topic is a part of a series I'm calling The First. Yes, still in 2020, we have the first person to do this, the first Black person to do that, the first Brown person to do this, the first Brown person to do that. And our guest is one of them, Hetty Simmons Love. Miss Love holds the distinction as the first African-American person, not woman, person to graduate from the Wharton Business School at the University of Pennsylvania. Hetty Simmons Love was born in Jacksonville, Florida in 1922 and was the youngest daughter of parents Hetty and Charles E. Simmons Sr. She grew up in a loving home and attended Boylan and Haven School for Girls, where she was the valedictorian of her class. She attended Fisk University and HBCU in Tennessee and majored in accounting. It was at Fisk in 1941 that she joined Alpha Kappa Alpha Sorority Incorporated, a decision that continues to bring joy to her life. After graduating from Fisk in 1943, Miss Love returned to Jacksonville and worked for an African-American life insurance company in their accounting department. Her desires for better opportunities for her future led her to apply for admissions to the Wharton Business School at the University of Pennsylvania, where she majored in accounting and earned her degree in 1947. Wow. Listeners, I'm not even sure if you were alive then. My mother was one years old, but there you have it. While at the University of Pennsylvania, she met the love of her life, George Hayward Love, and they married in 1948, moved to Philadelphia. During and after the birth of her son, George Jr., Hetty pursued jobs in the area, but was often turned down because she was, quote unquote, overqualified. She obtained work as a bookkeeper for the American Friends Association. And like many women of that time, after the birth of her second child, Karen, she settled into the role as a stay-at-home mother raising two children. Unable to pursue a career with her degrees, Hetty Love used her academic skills in community settings, serving as treasurer in several organizations, and after her move to Harrisburg, serving as the church treasurer for St. Paul's Episcopal Church for over 20 years. Mrs. Love also lent her business acumen to three different Black-owned businesses in the Harrisburg area, serving as their bookkeepers and offering suggestions for improvements. In her early 80s, Mrs. Love was still volunteering to help seniors with their income tax. Ms. Love is a diamond member of Alpha Kappa Alpha Sorority Incorporated, earning this distinction for serving for over 75 years as a member. And she continues to make contributions to her community through Alpha Kappa Alpha Sorority Incorporated, the Epsilon Sigma Omega Chapter, her church, and other community organizations. She was recently recognized by the Susquehanna Township School District for her 10th year of volunteer service. 
In 2016, Mrs. Love was awarded a Trailblazer Award from the National African American MBA Association from the Wharton Business School. Daughters, welcome our guest daughter today, the legend, the woman, Miss Hetty Love. Woo! So, Miss Love, I wonder if you could tell us a little bit about how you ended up choosing to go to Wharton. I grew up in Jacksonville, Florida, in a completely segregated community where we had our own library, our own movie theater, and so forth. I attended a private school, which my mother drove me to and from every day from fourth grade on. Many of our teachers were white women who had been imported from other parts of the country. That was the only time I was ever in any sort of relationship or in touch with any white people. After graduation from high school, I chose Fisk University, which is an all-black university in Nashville, Tennessee. And all my classmates also went to black universities, which were throughout the southern part of the country. After graduating from Fisk University, I returned home to Jacksonville, Florida, Afro-American Life Insurance Company, where my brother was also employed. He had gone to Lincoln University in uh, Pennsylvania for his college degree and had gone on to the University of Michigan to become an actuary. So I was familiar with the idea that in the North, We could go to the big universities. So after a couple of years of working in Jacksonville at this insurance company, I became bored with the job and decided that I could do better. So I was able to be accepted at the University of Pennsylvania in Philadelphia. Upon my arrival there, uh, my brother was able to accompany me there to be sure I was in a proper home since they had no dormitories for black women. As we walked on the campus, he stopped a young man, a young black man, and asked him the way to the registrar's office. He introduced himself, Charles Simmons, and his sister, Hetty Simmons. Now, the name Simmons stuck with this young man, but the idea of my being a sister did not. So... Some weeks later, as all the black students gathered at the Heart and Heart restaurant for lunch, as we always often did, he questioned me about how was my husband. And I said, I have no husband. He said, yes, you do. I've met him. And I explained the situation to him. Then he asked for my address and phone number, after which time we began to date. And uh, fortunately, that date, led to a lifelong situation as we were married for 66 years before his death in 2014. Miss Love definitely was the dot, and she clearly has articulated that. Listen to her talk about being the dot, along with the power of allies as a part of her story. In the meantime, I went on to the classes at the university where in most classes, I was the only woman. 
there were three young Jewish men there who noticed that, and they came over to me and requested that uh, they would like to have me join their study group, which was convenient for them and for me, so that we met only on campus and strictly for the study group. There were no other black people in my class, although there were several black men in the university at this time taking courses which were required for their jobs since they had all finished college and needed just another course in order to qualify for the jobs they were either occupying or applying for. So we all became a community and I felt no lack of fellowship or friendship because I was already introduced into the black community that way. What was your favorite thing, Miss Love, about being at Wharton? Well, the classes were run by mostly men. I, didn't, I don't remember seeing any women teachers. There were none that I had anyway. And they were all lecture classes. There was nobody calling on you to re report on anything. You just sat and listened and took care of the assignments, and that was it. So I had no reason to be feel discriminated against in the school. What was the biggest challenge for you about being at Wharton? I guess it was to know when I had done something sufficiently correct because their uh, grades were not passed out as they would be in a smaller school. So one of the interesting things about the time that Miss Hetty was doing her education in the North was that the country was also in the middle of its own reckoning, much like the one that we are currently dealing with around segregation and desegregation. She had some really interesting things to say, some about the differences of her life here in, in Pennsylvania and uh, as opposed to her life in Florida? Well, in the first place, I was cold all the time. And so I would never even go down and get the mail out of the mailbox. I would always wait for somebody else to come home and pick the mail up and let me know that, whether or not I had some mail there. So uh, that was the main thing that bothered me. I had no lack of friends or acquaintances that I could spend my spare time with. I am very grateful that I had the opportunity to meet so many people of other races and that they were able to recognize me as a person. I had nobody, I can't think of a single incident in which people disrespected me for that reason other than in Jacksonville, Florida, when I would sometimes go into a store to shop and be denied the service just because I was black. The amazing part of my youth is that when I turned 21, Jacksonville, Florida was permitting African-Americans to register to vote. At that time, only the Republican Party was permitting us to vote. You could not be a Democrat in the South in those times. However, when I finally got to be a resident of the University of uh, Philadelphia, 
Pennsylvania, I discovered that being a Republican was not the best thing to be, and I was able to become a Democrat, which I have remained through all these <laughs> 20, <laughs> 20 or more years that I've lived here, 50 or more years. How has racism and sexism played out in your career? At the school, there was nobody in the entire uh, classes that I attended that even recognized I was a person. It was just as if I were a part of the furniture. They'd go by me and I'd go by them and it was it. Um, I was delighted with the fact that I could go into restaurants, that I could uh, go into movie theaters and so forth and so on and do things like that. Other than that, um, I majored in accounting because I wanted to be a CPA. I was unable to take that exam because at the time, once again, women were having a hard time to apply for things like that. That was a shock to me because um, having gone to a girls' school and uh, I knew that uh, there were women working in these jobs because I had seen them on TV and other places, I was really very shocked to discover that uh, most women were not interested in that particular type of work. Uh, in the meantime, upon graduation is where the problem really began, is because I went back home. And once again, I began to work at the same insurance company, but in a higher department. Before I was in the bookkeeping department, now I graduated to the accounting department, but it was still the same job, practically, just a, a different office. So I was still a little unhappy about that. But within months, the young man I was dating on campus uh, proposed, and we were married. And I moved to Philadelphia on a permanent basis, which is when I began to look for a job in my field, since I felt that this is where I was going to be situated for life. The intersectionality of race and gender was very prominent in the building of a career trajectory by Miss Love. She talks very clearly about how people use the euphemism of her being overqualified, but also how even though she was lettered by a very prestigious business school and an, even an Ivy League institution, her difficulty in obtaining employment. And in every case, there was a reason why I was not suitable for the job. Many just said, we're not hiring. And a few said, you're overqualified for the jobs that we had. At no time did I get a positive reply from any of the organizations that I felt would be suitable for my type of education. How did you cope with those challenges? In the meantime, I applied to the, uh, the American Friends Service Committee, which was hiring people from all over the world. And I was able to get a job there in their bookkeeping department, back to bookkeeping again. And... Uh, 
they too had, but they had a mixed race group. I was in, involved with a couple of white women, but there were Asian women and even a woman from Germany in, uh, that I came in contact with by working with this particular group of people. And I was able to learn something about the Quaker religion, which of course was just a bit of knowledge as far as I was concerned. Um, I was definitely disappointed that I was unable to put my talents and my education to use. So that uh, I uh, decided to apply for jobs elsewhere. And there were a few jobs in the community that uh, were, were willing to let me work with them. In the meantime, my husband's job took him to Harrisburg where once again, I uh, had no role in how to add any uh, money income to our situation. So I began to inquire about other black communities that I saw, black organizations. And uh, I was able to work with the uh, a um, bookkeeping firm, Coy Watkins and Sims accounting firm, and I worked for them for a while. And then uh, I worked for Eddie's Men's Shop and a few other, um, an electrical company, but all of them were short-term things because I wasn't really happy just doing those little odd jobs. <laughs> What's the one piece of advice that you would give to African-Americans living and working in white spaces? I guess you have to make yourself amenable to whatever's going on in your community. I had no trouble in Philadelphia or in Harrisburg in uh, associating with people of all races. It was just that... Uh, I could not progress in my chosen profession because of the lack of uh, interest or maybe faith in the fact that black people could achieve. I think time will change things, and sometimes it's our own attitude that brings things on. But as I read the newspapers and look at the TV, I just wonder if things aren't moving backward at this point in life. And uh, I'm hoping that I'm wrong and that all these protests will somehow bring good to the African-American people of, uh, of African-American descent. Ms. Love, this is a question that I ask everybody, and I would love to get your um, long, longevity or uh, perspective around this. And it's, what's the one piece of advice that you would give white people in dealing with people of color to build a more inclusive world? Don't look at the color of a person's skin. Look at his background. Look at what he has to offer and learn something about people in general before you make a, a, a conclusion about what they're capable of.
So, Miss Love, when you were matriculating through the Wharton School of Business, you were one of only uh, one of very few females and one of very few African-Americans. And so African-American women during that time were almost like unicorns. I'm wondering if you could tell us what your response is now to the newly appointed African-American woman dean at the Wharton School of Business of the University of Pennsylvania. There was nothing more exciting that could have happened to me than to know that uh, they were probably not only having black teachers, which they did not have when I was there, but that they had chosen a a young black woman, a woman, (laughs) to be the dean of the college. I was absolutely thrilled at that thought. Do you have a personal model, Miss Love? Well, I had faith in myself because I'm a religious person and I know that God is watching over me and has brought me thus far on the way. And as long as you feel that somebody is watching over you and it doesn't have to be uh, a, a relative or even a friend, you know, you always have a guardian in our Lord Jesus Christ. One of the things I was struck by when I entered Miss Love's home was the fact that there was a book that was sitting next to her chair. You know, everybody has that chair in the house sitting next to her chair. And it was the post-traumatic slave disorder book. And I was struck by the fact that she continues to want to learn and to read, even at the age of 98. Listen to her talk some about that. Well, I still enjoy reading. And I read all kinds of books, but I try to read books by black authors because they are expressing the same sorts of things that I have gone through, and they would uh, they appeal to me. And um, I'm also interested in um, what's going on in the world today, and how the black community is still not accepted fully into the world, into society, as I had expected it would be by now. What's the one thing that our listeners would be surprised to know about you? Well, that I'm not afraid to ask for help. (laughs) I often say that I had so much faith in humanity that at one time when my husband was in the hospital and I was a new driver and I was going to the hospital to visit him and I saw a parking place, but I had no idea about how to park a car. I got out of the car and asked a strange man walking by, I don't remember whether he was white or black, but it was just a man who was passing by. And I said, I need help parking my car. Could you help me? And I stood on the sidewalk while he got into my car and parked it for me and fortunately came and brought me the keys back. As I look back at it now, I realize that was probably, could have been my downfall. But I have faith in people. I accept everybody on face value. That is one thing that has consoled me 
that wherever we've gone in the world, I have felt no racial prejudice. Uh, one of my, my husband uh, loved to travel, and so I traveled with him, and we were able to stay in hotels without any problem. But the biggest thing was that we went to Turkey once to spend a whole year, and I had two small children at the time, and I was able to take them with me, and they were allowed to enroll in the school system there with no problem. And um, the people there were very helpful, and upon our year's end, although I was a very poor teacher when it came to teaching English to Turkish children, I was told that if I ever came back to Turkey, I could apply to that school and they would be glad to have me. Well, thank you for giving me this opportunity to uh, express myself. Special thanks to our guest daughter today, Hetty Love. Miss Love, you make 98 look good. You inspire all of us, and I am grateful for your time. Also want to thank Miss Hetty's daughter, Karen Love, for her help in making the interview possible. Our music today is provided by Jaffa. Special thanks to our podcast intern, Amanda Gillette. This episode was edited by Nikki Anderson. Thanks to our sponsors, David's Delicious Delights. DavidsDeliciousDelights.com Custom-made, personalized cakes, pastries, pies, and cookies bringing the yum to your front door. Visit DavidsDeliciousDelights.com and use the coupon code BEINGTHEDOT for 20% off of orders of $34.99 or more. DavidsDeliciousDelights.com Join us next week when we hear from the voice of some Gen Z's talking about the importance and value and nuts and bolts of networking. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye.